greet one another in the Lord this evening. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We glorify you. Lord, I pray, Lord, those that may be watching online tonight, God, you would touch them tonight, wherever they may be. Lord, I pray you would be with those that are in-house tonight, God, that you would minister to us. There's many needs, God, that have been brought before this body today, and some that are not here tonight because of situations and needs that they're facing. But, God, you're a big God, and you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend. So, Lord, we give all the praise and the glory and honor is do your name in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 Let's worship together and greeting one another to this time.
worship you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the presence of God. We feel in this place. God, you are a Savior. You are a friend. You are the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Father, we worship you and we glorify you. We magnify that name. Let's sing that fourth verse again. Oh, I'm so glad I've learned to trust him. Precious Jesus chapter 43 you can also thumb over to Proverbs chapter 29 we're going to just be looking at two verses of scripture today we started the idea of this sermon series in January of a fresh start and the crux if you will of this scripture or the, 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 the theme if you will of this this sermon series came out of the scripture we're going to read here in just a moment. I believe that 2023 can certainly be a year for many people, even maybe a better year than 2022 was, whether it's better jobs, better houses, better cars, better land, whatever. It can be a year of blessing, fruitfulness from God. So I'm going to read out of Isaiah 43, verse 19. If you have it, you can stand for the reading of God's Word. And if you don't have your Bibles, it will be on your screen. And then I'll read Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The Bible said, Behold, I will do a new thing. 
Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, that's something new. I'll make rivers in deserts, that's new. Notice what he said, he said, I'm going to do a new thing. Something fresh, something never been done before, something you've never seen. I'm going to do something new. And I'm telling you today, church, as I said this morning, it said the last couple weeks, and I stand by that, we don't need just an old day old bread of God. We need a fresh visit of God's Spirit. We need something new. We need fresh bread. We, the priest of God would have to make fresh bread for the table of showbread in the tabernacle. We need God to do something fresh and anew in our lives and in our church and in our family. Proverbs 29:18 says this. There's no vision. People cast off restraint. But happy is he that keeps the law. And he that keeps the law, happy is he. He said, but where there's no vision, people cast restraint. Some translations will say, where, where, where there's no vision, people perish. They die. They die. And so, tonight, for a few moments, the Lord's help, I want to talk to you on an idea of what it's like to have rocket religion. What is it like to have rocket religion? Father, to the best of my ability, hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Anoint me with the thongs from the altars of heaven. Anoint these lips of clay. And I pray, God, that you would allow me to preach just what you want heard and, and, and nothing from me. I don't need my words to be heard. I need your word to be heard. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it there likewise. God, I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's name we pray. In the body of Christ together said amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The prophet of God said in his writings, it was a time period when he was prophesying regarding the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the enemies of Israel and how Israel would be in captivity and they would be in bondage and be suffering. But the prophet was trying to encourage the people of God, the nation of Israel, in Isaiah 43 and 19. He was trying to tell them that God's going to do something, something you don't expect. Right now you see you're in bondage. Right now you see you're in turmoil. Right now you see you're in trouble. Right now it doesn't look good. But God said, will he not do something fresh? Will he not do something new? And I don't think it takes, no pun intended, a rocket scientist to figure out the world in which we live ain't going so well. It just ain't going so good. I mean, the world in which we live, it's its not like this is our best life now. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can maybe point to times in history where it might seem to have been worse or might seem to have been better, but this certainly isn't the best it could be right now, obviously, in the world we live in. In fact, just yesterday, Brianna uh, sent me to the store to Walmart, and uh, I was just picking up a few items and things that she needed me to get, and I was going down by the... Um, the dairy uh, uh, coolers, with the milk and everything else, and I happen to just glance just quickly over at eggs. An 18 count of eggs, Walmart brand, not even good brand, Walmart brand. You know, the ones that you don't even know if they're really eggs. You don't know what's inside those cartons. For the Walmart, great value eggs, $7.98 for an 18 count of eggs. For a 12 pack, a dozen eggs, Almost over $5, almost $6 for eggs. I told Brianna, I never wanted chickens, but I think we should get some now. I don't want to take care of them, but they got to be cheaper than what I'm paying for eggs. So 
let's have chickens. She, if she cleans them, I'll go get the eggs out of the coop or whatever. But, I mean, it's got to be cheaper to feed the chickens than it is the egg, to pay for these eggs every time. And just about everything that requires baking, you know what it, it has ingredient it needs? Eggs. We're going on a fast of sweets because we can't afford to bake it. Eggs are $8 for 18 of them. That's one recipe. I'm done with eggs. $8 for a pound cake. I'm goodness gracious. I'm in trouble. But the reality of it is the world we live in right now ain't great. It's just not great. You know, groceries are high and gas is one day it's up, one day it's down. One day it's up, one day. One day you think, oh, I can fill up my whole car tank. Life's great. Next day you think, oh, God, I can't afford gas. I might have to stop driving and buy a bicycle. I mean, it just constantly ebbs and flows. And the prophet of God is telling the people in, of Israel at the time who are seeing only the captivity that they're in. They only see the, the struggles in which they're in. They only see the adversity in which they're in. He, he is telling them, he says, look, just because things seem bad does not mean God can't do something better. God can do something better. Think about that for a minute. Better. What if, seriously, think about this for a second. What if what we see now is really divinely orchestrated by God all along? Listen to me. Don't, don't be, oh, no, it's the Republicans, it's the Democrats. It's the, no, no. What if God's allowing these things to happen so that we get our eyes off of everything in this world and put them back on where they belonged all along, which is on him? Because the Bible said, the Bible doesn't say when eggs go to $8 for a dozen and a half, cry in the fields and whine and groan and bellyache. No, no. The Bible said no matter how bad it gets, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible said God's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor has seed have to beg for bread. I don't care how you, you define the Bible. I believe if God wants us to be able to have it and obtain it, he'll provide a way where there seems to be no way. And so the prophet of God, when they're all in Isaiah 43, looking at the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the persecution, the Bible says that the prophet Isaiah says, but guys, don't you realize God can do something new? Don't you realize he says he'll do a new thing? He'll let you make, he'll make ways in the wilderness. What is he talking about? He's talking about Moses. He's referring to, did not God lead the children of Israel? In the middle of a wilderness, God made a path how to get to the promised land. In the wilderness. He said he'll make rivers in the desert. What is he referring to? Moses. You remember the people of God started complaining. We've got no water. We can't have anything to drink. The Bible said God led them to an oasis in the middle of, of, of the desert. And God provided waters out of rocks and made them come forth. In the middle of the desert, there's a stream of water. That's unheard of. You know why? Because it's something new. It's something fresh. But that tells me in our spiritual moments in life, even when we are dry, even when we are in desertous places, and even when we are thirsty, even when we're longing for something more and we can't find it, God can send rivers in the middle of our dry seasons. God can send pathways even when we don't know where. The steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge He'll make the path known. God can create ways when I don't even see a way out. He can create one create one as a kid i was always enamored by rockets you know, some kids they're ninja turtles they're you know power rangers they're you know superheroes whatever 
For a long time, I, I was interested in rockets. I don't know why. To this day, still don't know really what my interest was in a rocket. But I just loved it. I loved watching them when they would have them take off and they were going to televise it. I could sit there for hours and just watch them just chit-chat. And the rocket ain't even taken off yet. I'm just watching them talk back and forth on the television and the communications and stuff. Watch it go up in space and wait for hours for them to, you know, send a, you know, a transmission back to Earth. Hey, we've made it. We're, we've done this. We've done that. Half of the stuff they said, I didn't even know what they're talking about. They're, they're saying all these kinds of lingo and terminology and check this, check that, check Houston, check this. I'm thinking, I thought we're li- launching out of Florida. Where's Houston at? Like, how did we get in Houston and we're launching out of Florida? You know, it got, it got confusing to me, but I was, I was enamored. I couldn't help to watch it. And I began to think back on that. One of the things about rockets is they have the power to release things and let things go so that they can do something different than what they originally were doing just a few minutes before. And so when I started thinking there's no vision and people do not accept divine guidance, I read that same scripture I read to you in Proverbs 29 where there's no vision and people are cast off restraint. I looked it up in a couple different translations, and even though they were written a little bit different, I loved what some of them said. In the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says when people do not accept divine guidance, they'll go crazy. (laughs) That's the world we're living in right now. People don't want to hear the gospel because they want to live any old way, do any old way, and run like wild horses because they don't want the truth. But he says, whoever obeys the law, he is joyful. That's why people that are living in sin, they're miserable. They're having to turn to alcohol. They're having to turn to drugs. They're having to turn to whatever because they can't find anything to satisfy them and fulfill them because they don't have the joy of the Lord. Happiness comes from a Latin word, happenstance. Whatever situation I'm in, I learn to be happy. Joy has nothing to do with what circumstance. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Whether it's good or bad, I can still have joy in my heart. There is a difference. In the Message Bible... Translation, it says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. Doesn't that sound like the United States? <laughs> when we can't figure out what God's doing, people are babbling this, babbling that, making buffoons of themselves. I mean, we just, everybody's all over the page. He said, but when they attend, when they pay attention to what he is doing and reveals, they are blessed. I love that. I, I don't use that translation for up, but I love, love that, that picture that he gives. When people don't realize what God's trying to do, they fall over, they stumble over themselves. They're their own worst enemy. They're hurting themselves. When they realize what God's trying to do, they are the most blessed. Doesn't mean they're always not. Listen, I'm, doesn't mean that you're never going to have problems. You're going to have problems. You're going to have frustrations. You're going to have things that, if you will, just don't always go right. You know, like when you, you get up in the morning and you're already five minutes late to work, and you go out there and you put the key in the ignition, and it goes click, 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 and nothing happens. That's, that's not how that's supposed to start the day. And then you go out there, and you, you, know, you open up the hood, and you look at the, the posts and the terminals, and you look at all the different things, and you think they're a little corroded, so you get a little baking soda, or you get a little uh, uh, Coke, uh, Coca-Cola, and you, you know, scrub it out, and you re- put the terminals on, and you get back in the car, and it goes click, 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 click. You think, oh, that's not good. You know what, when, you know, but let's just say that that moment in time, yes, you're already late. That's going to set up for a bad day. But let's say your car is parked outside the garage. And somebody could come by and jump it off. You know when it's worse? When you pull it in the garage and it does that and you can't get inside. Because you got the golf cart on one side. 
all of the Christmas decoration and everything else and all the stuff that you have stored in your garage on this side and your little battery-powered one that you normally use to charge it up isn't charged and ain't holding enough amps to crank it up and you can't pull a car through the house because there's no exit access point, so you kind of are in trouble right at that moment. You either got to take the whole battery out, take it and get a whole new battery, come back and put it in, which is going to make you even that much later than what you were. The point behind that is, is are there things in life we can't control that, that sometimes it just ain't good? It just, it's, not, it's not a good day. It's a bad day. It's a, it's a whatever. There are some things in life that are outside of our control. You can't control it. You can honestly go out right now or, or, or have, excuse me, uh, at 5.30 this afternoon, went to your car, cranked it, drove yourself to church, and you could leave tonight, and as soon as you go out to your car right now, something could be dead in that car. It don't crank. Just like that. And you think, how that fast is that possible? I just got to church 30 minutes ago or an hour ago. I mean, I drove myself here, and it don't crank. You know why? Because things happen. It's called life. Things happen. You know, like stubbing your toe in the middle of the night. You don't want to do it, but it happens. You break your toes like I do. You don't ask for the bed to move itself. It just did on its own and didn't tell you it moved. I don't know why that bed decided to shift over. I know it was. I don't know why. It should have told me ahead of time it moved. It didn't tell me. It didn't give me a warning before I ran my toe right up through it and broke my foot or broke my toe. I, I wish it would have told me. It would have saved me a lot of pain. Some things in life just happen. You know, like the time the kid threw up in the back of the car and you didn't know he was sick. It just happens. You're just driving along. They say, Daddy, I'm not feeling good. And you go, okay, we're almost home. Are you okay? I think so. And all of a sudden you hear, and you're like, that's not what I was waiting on. That's not. And it's my car. It, even, it couldn't even be Brianna's car. It had to be mine. I don't even, I don't, she doesn't care if it happens in her car. I don't want nothing going on in my car. And it's all over my floors. I'm like, I've got to clean that up too. It's life. It happens. There are things in life you don't ask for it. You don't want them to happen. They just do. You don't want the car battery to die. You don't want that. It, it, it's like hurricane season. I don't like it when the power goes out in my house. But you know what? I don't get to call the shots whether or not power goes out in a bad storm. I can call Berkeley Electric Corp all I want to or those that have Sam's you You call them all you want to. But it ain't coming back on until they get it back on. It just doesn't matter how much you like it. I mean, outside of a generator, you, you're in trouble. You're just going to sit in the dark. You can get mad, sad, or glad. You can threaten never to pay your bill to them again and say, if y'all don't get my lights on, I won't support you. Well, that's fine. You'll sit in the dark a lot more than you realize down the road. But things happen. In life, there are things that happen in our lives that we can't control. They're, not, they're outside of our scope of, of handling it. One of the things I want to uh, refer to tonight when I'm talking about this idea of rocket religion is there are sometimes it's better to just let it go and release it than to hold on to it because it's more destructive the longer I hold on to that. The longer I stay mad at Santa Cooper, the longer I'm mad because you, uh, I told somebody when I was using my analogy of the kid that got sick in the car, I could have shut the door and said, well, that's gross, but I'm not cleaning it up and never touched it. You know how bad that's going to be in a couple of days when it's 100 degrees outside? I still didn't touch it, but guess what? I'm going to wish I had at some point. Hello? Some folks try to just have situations in their lives. They try to just shut the door and act like they don't exist. But they do exist. The reality of it is sometimes you've got to let it go, though. You've got to just fa bite the bullet, if you will, face the facts, face the music, do whatever, and move on. There are some people that keep harboring it. They keep holding on to it. And a rocket, a rocket is a unique if you will, design or, or 
piece of machinery. It is amazing that something man-made, you better hope they put all the bolts in the right spot too when you take off in this thing. It ain't one of those things that you want the engineer when you're about to take off say, hey, I found a couple extra parts. I wonder where they were supposed to go in a rocket. You want to make sure that they know where all the parts of that rocket are going. But in a rocket, nothing is more dangerous than if the rocket malfunctions. Because it has potential to do cataclysmic damage and, and ultimately destroy lives by a malfunction. But there's a couple steps that have to be taken when we talk about this rocket religion or releasing and letting go and things of our lives. For a rocket to take off, the rocket cannot leave the, the, the launch pad until it's been given a clearance by the command center. They'll tell them. Pilots and captains and all that are in the, they're all in there laying, you know, sitting this way, buckled their seat belts, laying on their backs, whatever you want to. And command center, which is across the way, is radioing them or, or talking to them through headsets, and they'll start asking a question. Did you check this? What does this gauge read? What does that gauge read? What is it? And the person will come back, check. Did you check this? Check. 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 And over time, they'll come this phrase. And if this phrase is never uttered, everything stops. But at some point after the checklist, the person in the command center has to say this line for everything to go. We are now cleared for takeoff. If command says we can't go, we don't go. We don't go. As I shared this morning talking about the law of Moses and the book of Moses and, and Moses and the children of Israel, there are times in our lives if God says, no go, we shouldn't try to launch anyway. We should, no go. If God's not moving, we don't need to move. If God's moving, then we need to go. We need to remember, when we talk about the power of releasing and letting go of things in our lives, we need to remember that when we get into God's Word, nobody else's opinion matters but His. His opinion his words, nobody, the Bible says, not one dot, not one tittle will pass away, for my word will remain steady and steadfast and sure. We don't need somebody else to tell you what they think. We need to just do what God already said to do, because he already said it in his word. And the reality of it is, many of us in our lives could release those hurts, could release those frustrations, could see the fresh glory of God, the fresh presence of God, the new thing that God wants to do in our lives by letting go of some things in our past or letting go of some things in our heart, hearts and in our emotions. But we can't do that unless we listen to what God's Word says to do. Because you will experience more heartache by not listening to God than you will if you just would have listened to God from the start. Because the Bible says God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. God's not sitting up there in heaven going, let's see how I can make their life miserable so that I break their heart intentionally. God's not, God's not vindictive like that. God's not sitting up in heaven trying to intentionally ruin your life. Even the things that he allows to happen that are hurtful, Sometimes he allows them to happen because he's perfecting and doing. So he wants to do something inside of our lives. So he allows those things to happen, like I said earlier, so that it points our attention back to our need for him. It's not God's cruel and unusual. He's doing it to draw our attention back to where it belongs, and that's to him. Many people 
they're not careful, they'll go through this life doing things their own way. What will end up happening is they'll have more heartache, more pain, more frustration, more issues than they should have had or even had to experience. But it was all caused because they didn't listen to the word from the command center, Jesus Christ, and what he told them to do. There's a lot of times in our lives if we just would listen to the command center of heaven and we let the Holy Spirit of God speak to us like he's supposed to, being that advocate, being that comforter, being that, that mediator between God and man. If we would just listen in the stillness of the small quietness of his voice, in the booming and the lightning and the flashing and the thunder rolling, whatever, if we would just listen to God, many things in our lives could have different outcomes if we just listened to him. Sometimes we try to take things in our own hands. We think, well, I can handle this, God. I don't need you. It's like that old kid song I learned as a little kid. He said, if you ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now. It was a little catchy song. It just repeated itself about 175 times. I guess they just wanted you to actually get it in your spirit so you know what it meant. But it kept going every the whole line. The whole song literally said, if you ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We sure do need him now. We sure do need him now. If you ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We need him every day and every hour. And then they had little mini verses that went around it and all that stuff. But the reality of it is, it's the truth. If we've ever really needed the Lord before, we sure could use him now. We could use him now in Washington, but forget Washington. We could use him now back in the church because his church is anemic. His church is dying out. Yes, God will have a remnant, but there are people that go to churches that are miserable on Sundays and miserable on Wednesdays, but their pastor had not been praying or seeking God. They don't get a divine word from God. They're hungry. They're lost. They're, they're looking for something. They go to the church, but they leave almost more defeated and downtrodden going to church than they did before they went to church. I'm telling you, God's church. Church is at a place where if we've ever needed the Lord before, the church needs him now. The church needs him again. We need his his presence. So mission control can't take off until the command center says we are cleared to take off. It would do us good to remember we shouldn't do anything until the word of God confirms in our spirit before we leave and move and go. We don't do anything until we hear God give us the send-off, the okay to move forward. Once mission control tells those astronauts inside that capsule, you're cleared for takeoff. A couple things start happening. They start flipping all these switches. Smoke starts bellowing out of these bottom parts of the rocket. You see fire. You see this, this big flame, and it starts doing these big, if you will, uh, boy, uh, uh, bright lights of, 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 of flames of fire, and it, it's beautiful to see, but they still ain't left yet. They're still sitting on the pad. Because what it is, on that launch pad, the rocket is what they call docked. It's docked to the pad. It's actually secured on the pad. Now, the astronauts flip off the switch, get the boosters going, get the flames going, get the smoke blowing, getting everything going. There's one problem. If the hatch doesn't release the rocket and they try to take off, it'll pull them down and hold them down and they'll blow up right there on top of the, right on the pad because 
they literally tried to do it and it'll just pull them right back down and they'll blow themselves up. They didn't release properly. But a rocket's intended purpose is not to sit on the launch pad and flame out. Hello. You'll get this here in a minute. A rocket's intended purpose is not to sit on the launch pad and flame out. The intended purpose of God's church is not to just sit on a pews and die out. God never said, hey, once you get saved, sit down and do nothing. That ain't what his word says. In fact, it says, as soon as you get saved, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. Start witnessing to your neighbors. Start talking to your co-worker. God never said, get saved and sit down and be miserable. That ain't what he said. Because what will happen is, too many people in their spiritual journey have gotten complacent that they come to church and they sit on pews. What they don't realize, they're like a rocket on a launch pad. At one point, the flame of the Holy Spirit, the flame of God was burning ever so brightly and God was ready to release them into the harvest field because the, the fields were wide in the harvest. God was ready to release them and what they did is they stayed stationary and flamed out right there. They literally sat right there and died out. God was ready. They were spirit-filled. They were Holy Ghost baptized. They had the presence of God in their life. Everything seemed to be going great. They were excited. They were this. They were that and the other. But they got complacent sitting on these pews watching and just observing the things that happened. And while all they had all that momentum and God was ready to release them into that harvest field, they flamed out sitting right there on the launch pad. Had all the potential in the world and blew up on the launch pad. Because the reality of it is when God's spirit is in our lives, his spirit is in our lives to release us, to move us from the current position in which he found us and take us to a different level than we've never been before. The whole purpose of a rocket is not for us to just sit on the launch pad. The rocket is designed to go to a different place nobody else has been yet before and see things nobody else can normally see. When we get saved and God comes and works in our lives and God wants it, when we release those things in our lives, the, the, the weights and the snares that so easily entangle us and we run this race that's set before us, when God, when God from mission control of heaven says we are cleared for takeoff, the Holy Spirit comes down and he ministers to us and the Spirit of God starts burning inside of us and those embers of, of the flame of his spirit starts moving inside of us it is designed for us not to stay where we are but God wants us to take us somewhere we've never been before I want to tell you in 2023 God doesn't want us to stay where we were in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and 2022 God got us through all those seasons of COVID and death but in 2023 God wants to take this church not to still sit on the launch pad but God wants us to go places we've never been before see things we've never seen before experience things we've not experienced before see salvation see people come back to God see families put back together God wants to do something new in 2023 something new not sit on the launch pad go to a different place go to a different dimension go to a, to a different location so those astronauts sit in this heavy-weighted, I mean, it's amazing to think how much a rocket weighs, and yet it has the ability to literally break barriers. I mean, ozone layers and things like that to get in space. It's impressive. What's amazing to me is when they get on that launch pad, 
release the latch. He's holding him down. He's got him docked. What ends up happening is the head astronaut or the lead of that trip will hit a button. And all of a sudden, those boosters will really ignite. And that rocket will start to lift off of the launch pad. And it'll start moving. It'll shake and then it starts moving. Slowly at first, but it's moving. It's pushing it up into the sky. When it gets almost out of sight to the naked human eye, it has these boosters that it's been carrying that all of a sudden fall off the rocket. They just fall off. In fact, NASA has them designed that they have built-in parachutes that when they fall off the rocket, they will parachute them and then through GPS coordination, oftentimes land them in the middle of the ocean because they can float and, and they will, they'll, they'll take that parachute, float them in the ocean, and then a ship will come by and pick them up. They'll take them back and they'll repurpose them or do whatever else, you know, when they can, you know, sometimes things happen, you know, or they lose control of, of you know, where the GPS coordinates are. But overall, when those boosters fall off, they kind of just float down in the ocean to be picked up later. But when they release the boosters, it doesn't stop the rocket from still going. And I begin to think about that. Sometimes in our life, God needs us to release dead weight. Dead weight. Dead weight. See, see, for that rocket to take those boosters into space would be more harm than good, Brother James. So right before they're getting ready to go out of the naked eye sight, they got to get rid of the things they don't need to get to space. The extra boosters. They just shut them off. That's why I believe the writer in the New Testament in Hebrew said, lay aside. Every weight that so easily entangles you and run the race that's been set before you. Some things in life you don't need. Get rid of them. Shed them off. They're dead weight. Let it go. Get rid of it. And for that rocket to go up, those, those boosters descend back to earth. But the rocket's still going. See, I'm here to tell you the enemy would like to tell us at times in our lives that we're never going to make it. We're never going to be successful. Our spouse will never be saved. Our children will never be saved. Our marriage will never be right. Our church will never be right. God would like to, the devil would like to make us think that nothing good can come out of a situation. And there are times some people will say, Pastor, if I do that, man, the, the cataclysmic effects, the, 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 you know, the, the trickle-down effect, you, know, you just don't know what it might cause and this, that, and the other. I'm telling you, sometimes losing dead weight actually is more beneficial than holding on to things God never intended for you to hold on to for that long. Unforgiveness, God didn't ask you to hold on to that. He asked you to forgive and let go. Bitterness, animosity, hate, whatever you want. To, God said, let it go. You've got to release it. It'll hurt you in the long run. That rocket holds on to those extra boosters. They're not careful. It'll blow itself up. It has to get rid of them. It's dangerous to take them any further. They have to let them go. And if they don't detach, they're really in trouble. They need them to get off the rocket, the capsule. It's the same way spiritually. There are times in our lives we have to have God help us to get rid of some things we don't need to be carrying. That's why I believe Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Trade it off. Get rid of your junk and take mine. I'm, I'm, I'm an easy, my, what I carry is a whole lot easier. And that's why the Apostle Peter uh, said in his writings, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Because Peter knew, hey, Jesus will help bear the load. My load will be much lighter because Jesus lifts the load at this point. Not me. 
We have to let it go. And things in our lives, it's the same way. The rocket doesn't stop going towards its intended goal just because it lets some things go. Can I tell you, just because some things, just because we might lose a little friends along the way, or just because we might not have the same acquaintances we used to hang out with, just because some things in our lives changed doesn't mean God changed. Just, that's exactly right, just because... Just because my church might look different or, or my, my family might look different or my job might look different or my marriage might look different or my finances might look different doesn't mean God changed. Just because someone walks in the room and says they don't love you anymore or someone says they won't talk to you anymore just because it seems like all of hell's come against you doesn't mean God changed. Sometimes those things we have to, to help us, sometimes sicknesses, sometimes things that are in our lives we can't control, as I said earlier. There are things in our lives sometimes we are faced we have no, no bearing on. We couldn't stop it. We can't do nothing about it. It just is what it is. But when we quit stressing about it, we quit worrying about it, and we give it over to God, it doesn't mean God didn't change. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And however He chooses to move, so be it. But once I give it to Him, I can still be on my journey. I can still be on my trajectory I can still be going with him just because things have to come off at times and my dead weight come off doesn't mean God still doesn't have a plan for my life I've heard people say well pastor I used to teach and I used to sing and I used to do this but then my mama got sick or my dad got sick and and then my my spouse got sick they go through this whole thing and then you know, unfortunately, Mama eventually passed away, or Daddy passed away, or the spouse got better, and things kind of, you know, I don't say got back to a sense of normalcy, but but things kind of just things happened, and, and life changed, or whatever, and they still didn't go back to the things that God called them to do. And, and I, I've often, you know, and I understand there are things in life and changes of seasons and stuff like that, but sometimes people will use that as a crutch because they don't want to do what they know they're supposed to do for God. They'll let that become the extra weight rather than laying aside the weight. I'm not saying abandon mamas and daddies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying but when God takes the weight off of our shoulders, we have to go back to what God called us to do. Because God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And then the rocket goes out of sight. That rocket takes off. After those boosters start falling, if we stand up there long enough and look, we don't see it no more. You can watch it on the TV because they'll change the feed so you can see what's going on inside the rocket. But if you stand outside and you're standing there looking at the sky after so long, there's nothing in the sky you can see. It's gone. The rocket didn't blow up because the TV camera on TV screen next to me shows that they're still transmitting the feed and letting us know they're out there. Just because I can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Just because I may not always see God doesn't mean he's not there just because I can look up to heaven and I may not always know where he is up there doesn't mean he's not up there transmitting information back down to earth to me and one of the things I love beautiful about a rocket is the rocket's design is it takes me to new atmospheres it takes me to places I've never seen before when that rocket goes up I've never been to space a day in my life I'd love to go but I've never been when I watch those astronauts all of a sudden they'll transmit the feed and I'll see outside the window of that rocket and I see the earth from an aerial view of the entire earth. And I'm like, I'm out there somewhere in that big ball that they're looking at. I'm in that somewhere. And I'm looking at it on their perspective above the earth. And they're up there at the space station. And they're walking around with these 
these uh, astronaut suits and things like that. I'll, I've never seen it, but I get to see it through their eyes, through the cameras or, or through technology or whatever else. But they got to go from this world and they got to see the world from a different perspective. Those astronauts didn't see it like we see it now. No, they're looking down. They saw the entire world, the entire planet called Earth from a spatial view, an aerial view. Can I tell you that's how God wants it to be in our spiritual journey? When we get along with Him, God doesn't want us to just see a little bit here or there. God wants us to take us to new heights and new dimensions and new levels. He doesn't want us to stay on the same plane we've always been. He wants to show us greater things. He said, I want to show you great and marvelous things that you cannot think, you cannot comprehend, that your mind cannot conceive. In fact, He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God has in store for His people. God wants to show us. You can't imagine what heaven looks like. You can read all the books you want to, and it can get you excited. Then it can you can read Revelation, or you can read all the theologians and scholars that have wrote written books about heaven, or people that say they've had visions or died, and and we've seen heaven and come back, and they describe it. Oh, it may get you excited, but I'm telling you, there is nothing going to be compared to when I see it myself. You can't describe streets of gold enough for me to see it. It's going to be something, brother James, to see real streets of gold, to see real jasper walls, to see gates of pearls, to see my loved ones not sick anymore, to see my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and mamas and daddies up there living a healthy life, to see Jesus, not to just hear about Jesus, but to actually lay my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith. There's nothing can be described what it will be like when I get there. I can't explain it. Nowhere, nobody can really, truly comprehend heaven will be like but that's the final destination of this rocket called christianity the final resting place is getting docked at heaven's portals to getting to heaven i love flying love flying i can't say the same for my wife but i love flying my wife had never flown before prior to us going on our honeymoon and i had this great idea enjoy that <laughs> so we get on this plane and the wheels are you know we're getting ready to take off and I'm explaining to her there's two engines in a plane you know in case one goes south whatever whatever we're taking off we start picking up speed anybody's ever flown before you know they start the wheels and you start out and you're just, you're just a little bit bumpy a little bit bumpy all of a sudden that plane you're looking out that window that plane it's getting with it like you can't even see the airport it's just like blurs going past you at this point it takes off. Brandon's grabbing my arm. She's holding on for dear life. Like, oh, God, what are we about to do? I'm not going to survive this. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We get up in the air, and the landing gear starts coming in. Y'all ever, anybody ever flown before? You hear that landing gear come in? Yeah, pow, and it gets inside. Pops. And she goes, oh, God, what is that? I said, that's one engine, but we got a second one. <laughs> so we're coming in, pitch black dark, to Denver, Colorado. We come in. This is true. Should tell you this is true. We come in, probably six, what, six or eight inches of snow on the ground. I mean, snow everywhere. We left Charleston on that Sunday at 70 degrees. I'm an idiot. I looked at the weather this previous week, a week in advance, and didn't realize that the weather can change in a week. Dumb me. I thought if they told me 14 days out, it stayed the same. Obviously, that's not how that works in the Weather Channel. I went short seas and T-shirts and just, you know, I think I had just like, I don't even have jeans on. I think I just had like sweatpants on, but not like thick sweatpants, little t-shirt, tennis shoes. I left at 70 degrees in Charleston. She's in her short sleeve shirt, like little uh, like yoga type pants and her tennis shoes. We step off that plane. 
you know, the door's open and they push you to the gate and you're side by side the gate, but, you know, there's still a draft that comes between because it ain't compared. We step off and it's like 16 degrees. Not, not, not 160, a 16, y'all. Y'all remember what it felt like the other week when it was 19 out here and we didn't have, that's when we had jackets and were prepared for it and still cold. We have nothing. I have a short sleeve shirt on. I don't even think I packed a long sleeve shirt. I had nothing. Snow on the ground, ice on planes. But as they're coming into Denver, you know what you have to do when you land? Guess what that landing gear has to do? It has to come back out. It comes back out. Then I said, what's that? I said, oh, that's the second engine. But good news is we're going down. Going down. I don't know if I'll ever get her back on a plane again at this point. It's amazing she ever left Arizona and come back and didn't make me get a rental car and drive her all the way back to Arizona from Arizona. We get off the plane. It's freezing cold. It gets better. We get we tarmac out. They're going to de-ice the plane. Spray those hot, foamy stuff to de-ice the plane. They do it. Except Cotton Eye Joe that's spraying my plane down. Apparently, he didn't read the owner's manual for airlines. The de-icer is supposed to go on the plane, not in the plane. Inside the plane is called an engine. We don't want that to get soaking wet. We want the plane to be de-iced. Cotton Eye Joe of Delta Airlines de-iced our engines. This is the truth, y'all. I'm not lying to y'all. Sprayed our engines, and all of a sudden, the plane just goes, power powers down. And she's like, what's that? I was like, okay, not joking this time. I think we have no engines. This is not a joke this time. This is real life. And she's like, what are we going to do? I was like, I hope not take off because we have nothing on this plane right now. Sure enough, they come on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're so sorry to tell you this, but uh, the plane is not going to be flying tonight. We're going to have to go back into uh, the gate, and uh, we have lost an engine. I thought, told you. <laughs> the first part was a joke. This is real life happening. But when we finally get to Arizona, all this was at night, but get to Arizona, we go to the Grand Canyon. We couldn't get there. Snow, we couldn't see it. It was like fog. You couldn't see it. The next day, we took a helicopter tour. And seeing the Grand Canyon from a helicopter view has changed I love flying because I see things like this from a plane. Down here on these levels, that's somebody's house, that's somebody's skyscraper, that's somebody's 12-story executive office building down there somewhere. But it doesn't look like that right now. It literally looks like I could just step on it and crush it like a cardboard box. But if I'm on the ground level, the same level that that is, it's like 45 stories high, and I'm standing there going, wow, that is a big building. But from this point of view, that building looks like chump change. You know why? Because it's from a different viewpoint. It's a different perspective. God's design for our lives is for us not to see things on the plane level, as in the, where we are today. He wants us to see it from an aerial point of view. Miss Carol, you can be making your way. Now, look at this. This is beautiful, right? It's wonderful. It looks great. But, you know, that plane is only limited to how far it can go to. It can only go so many, so many thousand feet in the air before it has to come down. It's not safe. But this guy, I don't even see those buildings anymore. They're in, those buildings are somewhere underneath those white clouds, somewhere down there. But I don't see them. I can't see them, you know why? Because the viewpoint that this guy is seeing is drastically different than the view that that guy gets to see. 
God doesn't want to set us to settle for just a little bit. He wants to show us all the things He can do in our lives. This pilot sees just a few office buildings and bridges. This guy sees the entire world out his window. Not a section of the world. This guy's only seeing San Francisco or New York City underneath him. This guy saw the whole world. That's why the kids saw that we teach our kids in the back. He's got the whole world in his hands. He doesn't see a little spot. He sees the whole world. The whole thing. So here's what I'm going to challenge you. God doesn't have limited supplies. He's just using limited vessels and resources. It's not that God run out of supplies. We can only do so much because we're limited in what we can do if we don't give our hearts to Him. God's got all the resourcing. The reality of it is, but how much of myself am I giving it to Him for Him to use for the greater good? In 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Bible says, Now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and freedom. But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, are transformed into his image from glory to glory even as from the Lord the Spirit. What are you saying preacher? Sometimes this is maybe what we see in our lives. There's going to come a day God's going to let us see things we never saw before. I'm not going to need NASA to show me earth because when the rapture comes NASA's spaceship won't really matter for me. Because the Bible says, when the last trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise up, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds of glory, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I won't need a rocket to get me to heaven. I'll be able to go with my own self because Jesus will take me straight there. I'll pass Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. Well, Pluto already fell off. He didn't even want to hang out with us anymore. He just disappeared out there in space. Earth, all of those planets, I'm going to pass by them. I don't need, I don't need NASA to tell me. I'm going to pass those guys. They spent millions and billions of dollars to see from this view. All I had to do was give my heart to Jesus Christ and save myself a lot of money, and I get to see the same thing one day they saw. Because my perspective, my change, it's my challenge to us tonight before we leave today. So we've got to realize that there are times in our lives that tend to be released. We have to wait for God's command when to go. The commands of heaven. We have to remember that not only do we need to wait on the word of the Lord, but we need to remember that God's plan for our lives is to move us from the current position we're in and take us to different places. we got to remember sometimes we got to let go of weight and holding on to us. And when we do that, there'll come a day God's going to let us see things in a new perspective, a new atmosphere. What do you mean, preacher? Because I believe there'll come a day that God will be able to say to us, Behold, I will do something new. It'll spring forth. Won't you know about it? And instead of saying, I'll make ways or I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, he might say, I made access to heaven for you. I gave you streets of gold, gates of pearl. Did I not do a new thing? You've never seen it before. You've never experienced it before. But welcome home. Get to experience it now. Something new. So my challenge to us is don't say in 2023, don't settle for where you are right now. Aspire in the year 2023. Aspire.
desire not to stay where 2022 was at or 2021 was at, but have the aspirations to go to a different level with God, a different plane with God, a different growth with God, a different perspective. Let God take you to somewhere you've never been before with Him so you can experience something new like you've never experienced. We stand all over the house tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, best of my ability, I have preached your unadulterated word again. Asked you to help us be challenged by your word. That the words that have been spoken be transformational and impactful for the body of Christ. Father, I pray that as we get ready to disembark from this location and go to our place of abode, the hand of God would go with us. I pray you would bless us and keep us. Your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God. Surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. In the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and redeemer. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Before we're dismissed, let me just say to you before Brother Randy prays our closing prayer. Don't forget, uh, services, Bible study Wednesday night, 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall area. Um, and uh, we'll meet there at 7 p.m. If you want to bring anything, drinks, snacks, whatever, we always allow you to do that so you can fellowship with each other. And uh, we'll have regular service next week, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, 11, Sunday school at 10, worship at 11 and 6 p.m. I love you. I'm praying for you. Brother Randy, I'm going to ask you to pray. And immediately following this prayer, you can consider to be dismissed. God bless you.